0: welcome in to the blitz podcast I am your host mr Kane Schwartz I'm joined by mr Jaden kozak coming from his very luxurious uh, bedroom in Cambridge how you doing man good to see you yep, same I don't know why I decided to go into F. the details yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know why I decided to go into the details of where you were weird. I think where I was caught up is I'm in a different place so like you're in I a know, different room maybe the same say place that you're always in but Okay. okay, that's fair enough. Right. Yeah, no, this, yeah. Is, uh,
1: this is great. We're, we're about a minute in now, so uh, this is awesome. <laughs> got to
0: have some kind of intro, but today we will be talking about the 29th ranked Chicago Bears. Wanted to get a confirmation on that, uh, but yeah, we got some Bears listeners um, that I know follow the podcast, so this will be fun to talk about. I know they can't be too happy. With uh, us putting them at 29, but there's definitely a lot of optimism for this team. Um, wide range of outcomes, uh, that's something I'm mentioning in a couple of episodes now. Uh, but this team has some promise, but right now, ranked 29. So, without further ado, let's dive into why we have them at 29. And we start with their potential franchise quarterback, who showed the most flash that he has so far in his career at the end of last year, or like the last half of last year. And that is Justin Fields, former Ohio State quarterback. Uh, Started out rough in Chicago. Um, Did he start out of the gate? I want
1: to say no, but I don't know who would have been there because he came out in 2021, Mm -hmm. and I think he came out as a junior. So he must have came in in 2018 cuz I know him and Burrow came in together but then Burrow transferred to LSU ah. it wouldn't have been JT Barrett right
0: no for the Barrett oh no, no. It's, Haskins. Uh,
1: it's Haskins it's Haskins it's Haskins you're right How do we miss that? you're right okay yeah
0: you're right but he had that historic uh national championship game he gets hit you know gets back up uh but yeah he had a really solid end of the last half of last year which was awesome to see. We hadn't seen it from Justin Fields so far. I uh, was really impressed with his running ability, especially. Um, so what's the outlook for Justin Fields this year, man? I mean, I've heard some some talks he could be in the – like his, his outlook is so all over the board right now. Like I've heard some people say that he could be in the running for MVP this year.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'm your guy for uh, Justin Fields' optimism. <laughs> I think I had him the lowest of the four of us. Um, I'm not sure I see it. I, I really am not. Um, I know that this whole situation uh, when they came in last year was, we're going to strip this thing down. And we're going to see if Justin Fields can become our guy. And we want to get confirmation on that. We're going to make this the worst team in the league. If Fields is gr- if Fields is good, great, we've got our guy. If not, we're going to draft the quarterback. You know, many teams have done that. I mean, hell, the Eagles had a similar situation where they they moved into the next year to be like, okay, is Jalen Hurts going to be our guy? They moved into this year's draft to uh, protect themselves, and he ended up becoming an MVP candidate himself. But uh, Fields, I don't think, is going to have the same kind of trajectory here. Um, The rushing stuff was great, and the rushing stuff was honestly much more of a surprise than... Uh, his passing ability he was a much better passer than he was a runner at ohio state like he had athletic ability but not like nobody looked at him and was like oh this is our next lamar jackson this is our next you know yeah. whatever running quarterback you want to pull out here um he was just mm-hmm. pretty mobile um but was known for his deep ball accuracy and stuff like that and as we've gotten in the nfl they've really unlocked his rushing ability which i do think is a very valuable asset and provides a strong floor for this Bears offense because if you've always got that quarterback running game that's really going to help you but at the end of the day if he's not able to consistently pass the ball which last year he showed he was not he was our he was PFF's worst graded passer of guys that played I think only like 22 guys qualified but he was dead last with 54.4 the next closest was 63 and then from like 63 to 72 was like eight or nine guys so he was a very very far down um last place As a passer, but was the second best rusher at the quarterback position behind Josh Allen. So you got two sides of the coin here, but you'd really want to see a huge development from him passing this year uh, to be able to say affirmatively that he is your quarterback for the future. And I'm just not sure if there's evidence to believe that that's going to happen.
0: Yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, I think like I want to put him into a similar category as Jalen Hurts, you know, like, I mean... And look at the, look at what Jalen Hurts did this year. I mean, Jalen Hurts performed much better.
1: And Hurts from a year ago is a good comp to where Justin Fields is at now because Hurts was seen that same way was, okay, he's he's a much better runner than he is a passer. We need to see a lot from him passing the ball to be able to confirm that he is our guy moving forward. And they go get A.J. Brown to pair with Devontae Smith. And, you know, they've already got pretty much a perfect situation around him. And he goes out and thrives this year. But the thing is, even though the Bears, great, you went and got DJ Moore, you know, you've got Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney in the building. This is very far from a perfect situation around Justin Fields. And, you know, whether it's his fault, whether it's the surroundings fault, I just don't know if this is a situation that he's going to be able to take that large of a leap in. I mean, we have him at 19th. um, And I think that a lot of that is leaning on what he brings in the rushing game as opposed to what he is
0: as a true passer. Yeah, for sure. But there is optimism as far as improving upon his passing skills this year with a new set of weapons. Because last year he was rocking uh, Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet. Uh, you got David Montgomery. You lost him in the offseason. But besides that, like, you've really just added to this list well, of playmakers. So let's dive in. He didn't even have A-Rob last year either.
1: That, he was in L.A. last year.
0: Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was – he had A-Rob before he became an absolute ghost. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, this team, like, Darnell Mooney was really it for this team last year, Cole Komet. Uh, But they brought in a lot to help supplement that and improve Justin Fields as a passer. So let's dive into the playmaker section. Uh, So, got to start off with their big trade that they made for wide receiver. Uh, DJ Moore had been stuck in Carolina, and you kind of just wondered when he was going to get his quarterback or when he was going to go to a team with a quarterback And he kind of just ended up in a similar situation that he had been in, like not as far as like quarterback play, but as far as quarterback quality, um, he's kind of just making a lateral move here. Um, But we'll see. Justin Fields still has plenty to improve on as a passer. But they brought in Chase Claypool as well last year at the deadline. Uh, Things haven't panned out so far with Chase Claypool, uh, so that's to be determined. Uh, But they got Darnell Mooney still. He's headed into his third year. And uh, they also brought in Robert Tanyan to add to Colt Komet on the tight end core. And they got Khalil Herbert, signed Dante Foreman. But I really think uh, Khalil Herbert's going to be the lead back for them. Um, but when you look at these list of playmakers, man, who uh, jumps off the page to you?
1: Um, it's I mean, it's obviously DJ Moore here. Yeah. Um... We were. I remember last trade deadline after the Panthers dealt Christian McCaffrey to San Francisco, it felt like they were going full fire sale mode. You know, there was talks of Brian Burns getting dealt. Uh, there was a two first round picks offer from the Rams for Brian Burns, which imagine if that went through. Um, and then talks with D J Moore. You know, there was talks about him going to Kansas City, um, Green Bay. A lot of these teams where he could have ended up with a elite passer. Um, and he does end up here with Justin Fields. I think that chemistry between wide receiver and quarterback, that's a real thing. And I think it really matters. Uh, and if, you know, all the talk every every year at OTA is going to be like, well, this new receiver and the quarterback are cr- creating great chemistry. Um, and But that seems to be the talk uh, among Bears camp right now. And if so, that's a very good thing. It's just i i know we i think we talked about it before our last episode you look at this group and you're like okay i like dj moore i like mooney i think claypool they've got a very diversified set of wide receivers you got dj Moore is your true ex that can win everywhere darnell mooney's going to beat you down the field and chase claypool can also really beat you down the field but he's a bigger you know full-size receiver um running backs are okay tight ends are okay but then when you really start to break it down and you start listing all the groups in the league you're you're a little bit less high on this group um the running backs i think are going to be an interesting situation we really thought that Khalil Herbert was going to be able to break out after getting out of David Montgomery's shadow and it seems he's just end up in more of a muddled situation here with uh Roshan Johnson the running back from Texas who was backing up Bijan but was phenomenal while he was there he just happened to be behind the best running back prospect in however many years and then they in- Miles Sanders
0: like- Saquon Barkley situation yeah.
1: and then they invested some money into Dante Foreman as well so, going to be interesting to see who wins that. Like, I think Herbert's going to start the year. It's going to be interesting to see who finishes the year. And then Cole Komet, he's in year four now, I believe, if not year three. Um, I think it might be. Yeah, it might be. Oh. I think he was 2020 draft. So, yeah, year three makes – no, it's year four because Claypool, he came out in the same draft as Claypool, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. that's true. And he was the first tight end draft. Yeah, but he was like – yeah, but...
1: he was the first tight end draft that he went in the second round. Um, So there's some Mm -hmm. promise there as well. But again, like when you really start to look at this offense or these group of playmakers and you stack them up against the rest of the league, there's not a whole lot to be excited about, but it's definitely a significant improvement from what they had last year. And I think, I don't know if we're talking about DJ Moore fantasy relevancy quite yet, but it's much better than it was.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, you got plenty of playmakers on this offense to open it up uh, for DJ Moore to make plays. I mean, this is, DJ Moore's probably... A top 10 talent
1: wide receiver in the league? See, that's the other thing. You sit there and you're like, man, now look at DJ Moore. He's got all these skills. And then you start listing off the guys and you're like, well, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Do we want to do it real quick? Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, mm-hmm. Devontae, Tyreek, Stefan, CeeDee Lamb, AJ okay. Brown. And that's okay. eight. And those are like your definitive right. eight. Now you start getting into.
0: Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle. Um, I mean,
1: okay, not
0: much Garrett, after Garrett that. Garrett Wilson, man. I'm taking Garrett
1: Wilson over DJ Moore. Oh, Dude, come Garrett on. Wilson, you know I love no. Garrett Wilson.
0: Dude, come on,
1: that's he, he was did. he was putting up better I numbers mean. than DJ Moore maybe ever has. Last year with like Mike White on a per game basis, he missed a couple weeks last year with Mike White and Zach Wilson and those guys. And I mean, we're we're really. You know, picking hairs here between the Jets' quarterback situation, and the Panthers' quarterback situation over the years. Um, but point is, though, yeah, it's Ter- close, Terry man. McLaurin you can throw in there as well. Yeah, uh, Debo there. Samuel when he's healthy. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. but he's definitely up there, and I just, you know, Maryland guy. You know, we've always rooted for DJ Moore. It was kind of tough when he was talking about playing with maybe Patrick Mahomes and guys like that to see him here with fields. And while there is room to grow here, it's just, uh, you you always think about, you know, what if he went here? Could he have been like a real, like, could he have been a top 10 guy in this spot?
0: Right. But he's here. The script is yet to be written. We'll see what DJ Moore does this year in Chicago. Uh, Last thing I'll say Mooney. I do think Mooney will still have a good season and it's not because I traded for him in dynasty might be just a little bit, yeah, it might be just a little bit. He's still really young, and he was the wide receiver one, clear wide receiver one, for Justin Fields for a while. So I think he can be a low-end wide receiver one, necessity. high-end wide receiver two for any team in the league. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I do have a lot of faith in Darnell. He showed us, if so, let's see what happens. He, if
1: he, he'd, be the wor- he'd be the worst one in the league, is what I would say. And he's, a, I, I know this sounds like a Bears Damn. festival, but... He uh, yeah. is not, if he's your wide receiver one, you're looking to upgrade and very clearly. Yeah. Okay.
0: Him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. If it, once you say it like that, I feel better about it. Okay. All right. So let's move on from the playmaker. spent a decent amount of time on that, uh, but let's move into the offensive line, which right around the, middle of the pack. Um, Not anything too crazy. They did get a uh, Darnell, right? I believe it is. Yeah, Darnell Wright in the draft to protect Justin Fields, which is good. Always adding there. Uh, But what in-depth analysis do you have to bring into the Chicago Bears offensive line? I mean,
1: I know this is starting to sound bad here, but I was not a big fan of Darnell Wright in the draft process. When the Bears picked Darnell Wright, I did like a jump for joy because I was like, yay, that means the Steelers can't take him. Because I know we were targeting tackle. I heard some late buzz that they were looking at Darnell Wright Um So when you really break down this offseason, we'll do like a big picture analysis of the Bears in a little bit, but you come in with the number one pick, um, you have your choice at any of the quarterbacks that you want, and ultimately you opt for Justin Fields. And that's fine. I love the idea of you know trading one pick for four picks plus DJ Moore. I think that's excellent process. But then you're sitting at nine and a guy who a lot of people said you should take it number one is there at number nine for you and Jalen Carter, and you have no pass rush, which we'll get to in just a second. You move back with the Philadelphia Eagles in your conference, and if you are going to be any good, you're going to have to go through the Eagles. Probably for the next five to six years, you're going to have to go through Philly. And you trade back to kind of reach on a tackle, on a right tackle. I just, I don't get it. I don't get the Darnell Wright selection. If you're going to trade down, trade down to like 17 or 18. I mean, maybe you want to stay in front of a team like Pittsburgh or a team team like New York who was looking for a tackle. Um, but at least acquire something more significant than a fourth round pick to give up a guy who's probably the number one player in this class aside from off field issues to then maybe taking a chance on a right tackle i do like uh braxton jones a lot fifth round pick from last year came in and was phenomenal as a left tackle and you know i can't name too many teams in the nfl that have their franchise left tackle and they picked him in the fifth round Uh, They also have Tevin Jenkins, who they did kind of pick to be their franchise left tackle in the second round two years ago, maybe last year. Uh, But he's converted into guard and has been phenomenal. Uh, Like I said, this is a middle-of-the-pack group, but there's a lot of youth on it. Obviously, the two tackle spots have a combined year of NFL experience, and your best interior guy has a year of NFL experience. But there's a lot of promise here, and I think that they're with some improvement. And if Darnell Wright proves me wrong, I think this could be a
0: top-ten unit. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. The only thing that gives me, like, real optimism for this group is what they did last year. Like, I mean, this was a team that was elite in the running game. And you can't be elite in the running game without a decent offensive line. And they just added to that uh, in the draft. So, you know, the the unit moves up. And, uh, yeah, I feel right around the middle of the pack. But they played well last year, and they only added. So I like that. All right. Let's move on from the offensive line and dive into the front seven. Uh, which, considering they didn't add uh, Mr. Jalen Carter, it's still a pretty rough unit. Um, They did bring in Trey Edmonds um, over from Buffalo, and I saw a quote the other day that he wanted to be a part of a rebuild. I'm not sure if that's exactly the case. Maybe the big old bag of money influenced him a little bit. Uh, But, yeah, you got a veteran linebacker coming in on that core. Uh, You did draft – and he probably won't play this year, but you did draft uh, Penny Sewell's brother. And um, I think, like, he, he was a solid linebacker. He won awards mm-hmm. at Oregon, um, kind of undersized, but we'll see what he does. But who are you excited to talk about on this unit?
1: Uh, I mean, it's definitely the linebacking duo is really the only source of optimism for this group. Uh, like I said, this if, if we were breaking this down just by pass rush or just by defensive line, this is your last place team, and I don't even know if it's close. Um, there's no like young prospects. There's no solid veterans. There there's no anything that can rush the passer right now. You know you. I think they uh, they picked up Gervin Dexter in the second round and then they got Zach Pickens I believe a round later. Um, but both of those guys are probably going to play inside. I think they might kick one of them out just so that way you didn't just pick two defensive tackles and back to back rounds. Um and as you can see on the depth chart, neither of them slated to start at this point in time. Uh Gervin Dexter has this very weird problem where he is like always late to jump. Uh he's like kind of standing up straight a lot of times as a defensive tackle, which is kind of weird. Processing speed. Yeah, is he's a little like, little. It's like it's like he didn't hear the ball get snapped. Um <laughs> So the problem he will need to fix that throughout this uh, training camp. But <laughs> if I, he I wants also to play national football. Yeah. yeah. Again, with the Bears in uh, their process, you have one of the three or four best linebackers in the league in Roquan Smith, and you say, okay, we're in a rebuild. We cannot. We we just simply cannot pay a linebacker at the top of the market when linebacker is the least valuable position on defense. It doesn't impact wins as much as corner edge you know other offensive positions as well so you trade him to Baltimore for a second round pick and that's great you add an extra second round pick when you're in rebuild mode acquiring picks is important and then you go out and you spend even more money than you would have spent on Roquan Smith on Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards now both of them are good players I think Tremaine Edmonds is probably one of the six or seven best uh, middle linebackers in the NFL and TJ Edwards was phenomenal last year but why is that your priority when there's so many other holes on this roster, it's like going out and signing a big name. Like, if they went out and signed a big name running back, if they gave David Montgomery big money, like, what? there's better places to utilize your resources on. And I just, I don't like the process of putting that much money into linebacker when you're this far behind in a rebuild. Linebackers are most valuable to a already good defense, and this team is not quite there yet.
0: Yeah, and this is like a defensive-minded team. I mean, they brought in Eberflus to be like a defensive mind, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't seem like they're doing much to help out their defense, uh, which is interesting to see, Uh, but we'll see how it plays out. I do have some more confidence, some more optimism when it comes to the secondary for the Chicago Bears, uh, where we have them ranked towards the bottom, but I do feel pretty confident. They've got Kyler Borden, who was a high draft pick uh, just two years ago. Uh, They got Eddie Jackson, classic veteran. He'll be there. Um, He's definitely coming towards the end of his prime for sure. Uh, But like I said, veteran presence. He's been good in the league for a long time. And Jaquan Brisker, also a high-round draft pick from last year. And he was like – both Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker last year were pretty highly touted prospects. Uh, They didn't do too much this year to impress. uh, But going into year two, they should do some more – Um, who are you excited about on this unit? I mean, personally, like I, I do like it. Like I like it over a lot of other secondaries.
1: Yeah. In, in comparison to the rest of the league, this is probably my favorite group on this team. I think there is, this is the group where you look at it and okay. You look at almost every single position and there's a young guy or, I mean, Eddie Jackson is really the only non young guy that's going to be starting for them. Um, but there's hope there's, there's points of optimism everywhere. Um, Jalen Johnson was a has been a breakout candidate for probably two years in a row now, and you know maybe you're starting to lose hope a little bit, but I still like the talent with him. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson was a corner that I liked. Uh, they get him in the second round. I think that was pretty good value for them for him as well. You have your pair of uh, DBs that you got in last year's draft, and Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker. Kyler Gordon can now finally move back into the slot where he was playing perimeter last year, basically just out of necessity. Um, Eddie Jackson was coming off of the worst year of his career last year, uh, so far. Um, I don't know if we're like heading towards regression because he was still one of the better safeties in the NFL, but the days of him being like your premier safety in the NFL are probably over. Um, but this is, like I said, this is my biggest source of optimism. I know we have them at 28th, which isn't super high, but it just feels like this hat, this group has the most room for improvement outside of maybe or most, likeliness to grow outside of maybe quarterback
0: yeah no i agree and you mentioned like eddie jackson is getting up there but he'll be able to teach jaquan brisker how to play a mean safety and he was a great safety prospect just two years ago so we will see how that pans out uh, but let's move on to the next unit which is the coaching and i don't know i'm i really can i i shouldn't have a reason to hate Eberflus but I don't know I kind of hate the guy like I I don't think he's a good head coach I don't know I don't know Hate. tell me why he uh, might be
1: strong um yeah I think he's I wouldn't say he's your biggest hot seat coach in the NFL because he's in year two and there are guys uh that there's their seats are a little bit hotter than Matt Eberflus's. but your your clock ticks a little bit faster when you're defensive head coach in the NFL you just guys don't like to let the offensive guys out the door because all of your best coaches in the NFL now, all your best teams have offensive-minded head coaches, and when you're trying to develop Justin Fields' I think if they don't perform well this year, they're going to let Iberflus go in favor of a young offensive mind that can help move Justin Fields forward. I think Eberflus is a fantastic defensive mind. I think what he did in Indy for all those years when they were, I wouldn't say undermanned, but they, they didn't have as much talent as the best defensive teams in the league. And you know, credit to Chris Ballard for getting guys in there that can play, but also credit to Matt Eberflus for getting those guys to play. Um, Luke Getze. That's probably, what I'm saying, yeah. Dude. Like, I don't
0: think he did too much in Indy to prove that, oh, that's a DC that needs a head coaching job. Like, I feel like there was many more DCs that were more qualified I, than him. No, was.
1: I I think he was, I think he was qualified for a head coaching job. Again, I know we have him towards the bottom here. He's not like a, it's it wasn't like a D'Amico Ryan's hire when it happened. Um, But I think he's, you know, he's one of the better defensive minds in football right now. And him being here is going to help this defense that quite frankly doesn't have a lot of talent on it they're going to be able to generate pass rush from these guys that aren't really great pass rushers um it's just a matter of do you really want to have a defensive mind and head coach when you're trying to develop a young quarterback that needs a lot of development at this point in his career um and a lot of that development is going to come from luke getze uh he's in year two here in chicago They're going to keep running the play-action stuff. They're going to keep running the boots. They're going to keep running all the designed runs for Justin Fields that they kind of obviously finally figured out last year that he can do on a consistent basis. And I think that's really going to, again, like I said with Fields, that's going to raise the floor for them is when you know you can run the ball with the quarterback and get four to five yards whenever you need it, that's always going to keep the floor high for you. Um, It's just a matter of can he scheme up easy looks for Justin Fields to see and hit.
0: And the last thing I'll say um, is that, Gatt's, like, if this is any like samples, I mean, it is a clear sample size of what he's been able to do with Justin Fields already. Like, I mean, the big complaint from me starting out was that Iberflus isn't like a quarterback whisperer, and it seems like you would want to bring in a guy like that to help out a young quarterback in Justin Fields, which they still might move on from Iberflus after this year and pick up a guy like that, but. Getsy's done a pretty good job at developing Justin Fields so far. I mean, he's made clear strides forward, and you can't say that for a lot of the rookie quarterbacks recently. So, yeah, I like what I've seen again uh, from Getsy so far. And, um, yeah, I mean, not a huge fan of Iberflus. I started it off saying hate. Um, you kind of talked me off the ledge there a little bit, but still not a huge fan. But we shall see how it plays out in Eberflus's second year, Iberflus and company. Uh, but let's move on from the coaching staff, and let's move into, drum roll the schedule for this year for the Chicago Bears. And uh, some things to cover. I said on the last episode, uh, that strength schedule was determined by Las Vegas. That is not the truth. Uh, strength of schedule for the Chicago Bears this year is 18th in the league. Uh, They're over under, according to Las Vegas, Nevada, is uh, seven and a half wins. And looking at this schedule, I mean, seven and a half wins seems pretty high, you know? Yeah, I mean,
1: you've obviously heard everything that I've said about Chicago so far, so you know where I'm leaning with this number. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of what happened, and I said this a little bit in the analysis, um, was we came into this offseason off of, you know, Justin Fields' Having breakout year, I, I guess if that's what you want to call it, um, and they had the number one pick, they had a hundred million dollars in cap space, and everybody was like, "Oh my God, the Bears are going to be so good next year." I remember telling, like, I was like, "I don't know how early you can get Super Bowl futures or division winner futures," but looking into Chicago because they have all these assets to get better, and it feels very, very, very reminiscent of what Philadelphia did the year prior, and. I think the thought of oh well they had all these things they made some moves they should be as good as we thought they would be since they used those assets and it just they didn't you know they had a hundred million dollars they spent twenty five on it at the linebacker position they also then they get DJ Moore they trade out of number one to then go all the way back to ten and get a tackle he's gonna play right tackle for you so I think that a lot of what the aura around Chicago is is people are thinking about what they could have been and you know what they should have been maybe and they just yeah. aren't that i don't think and people still think that they are um i am be going under the under on this even though they get a relatively weak nfc north they also get to play the nfc south which is the worst division of football right now they're also up against the afc west so they're going to play kansas city la teams like that um you know, seven and a half doesn't sound as bad when you look at the because, again you get the yeah, north that's what you I'm get the saying. north twice, but like I would not be shocked if this is the last place team in the north again. I, I really wouldn't.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's gonna be a really like all those teams I feel like are gonna be sitting around. Oh, Yeah, they're so, yeah,
1: so jump like there's no there's no like franchise quarterback in this division. There's no great offense or defense really. Um it's just kind of a lot of the same they'll probably all split with each other and it'll be three or four teams hanging around uh six or seven wins with a couple weeks to go and it'll just be a matter of who can win those last couple games this very well might be kind of a situation similar to last year in the NFC South where it was like the division winner is going to win eight games or nine games, and that'll be how some team gets in the playoffs. That's kind of really speaks to the NFC, how you were looking at this division and saying that, and they're not even the worst division in that conference with the NFC South also being a fairly bad division.
0: Yeah. Uh, Before we move on from the schedule, I just want to kind of read down because I think I am going to go over for the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I think I'm going to go over seven and a half because you look at the schedule. Green Bay, like you said, they probably split with them. uh, So that's one. I think they beat the Bucs pretty handily. I think they probably beat the Broncos. I thought you were going to say the Chiefs because they were next. I was like, what are we doing here? Okay. Okay." Not too optimistic about that one. Uh, But as much as I hate to say it, I think they probably do beat the Commanders. They could. Uh, The Raiders. uh, So that's four right there. Uh, Well, three. If they split with Green Bay. And then the Saints. There's a chance there. Let's not count it just for shits and gigs. The Panthers, so that's four. They probably split with the Lions, so that's five. Then they got the Cardinals, that's six. Falcons at seven. And if they take two games from Green Bay or a game from Minnesota. Yeah.
1: It's it's tough. Like I look at the schedule and while I only see one game that I could say, yeah, they're definitely going. To, there's no like freak world unless Patrick Mahomes is hurt, where they lose that game and that's Kansas City, uh, or where they win that game and that's Kansas City. But there's no game that I can say they're going to definitely. Um, Jesus, there's no game other than the Cardinals that I say they don't have a chance. Like the other team doesn't have a chance. So like, I think they beat the Cardinals, but then again, that's week 16. We could have, we could see the Kyler Murray Cardinals at that point in the year. And that makes that game Mm -hmm. much more of an even split. So you got no real guaranteed wins on the schedule. um, And you've really only got one guaranteed loss. And that's kind of why this comes and meets right in the middle at around seven and a half. Um, I'm probably still going to go under some teams got to like, I, other than the Cardinals, the lowest line we've seen so far is six and a half, like, there are, somebody's got to be losing these
0: games um, at some point and yeah. I, I think it might be Chicago yeah last thing I'll say that stretch to end the year pretty fucking solid like if they're sitting close to playoff and they're like in the hunt I mean they could rattle off I mean they probably won't win every game but there's like I mean to end the season with Cardinals, Falcons, Packers that's pretty, pretty solid that's like A decent chance you could win three games in a row there and then you got the browns before that could be four if deshaun watson plays like he did the end of last year and then the lions so like i think the lions are overhyped this year um but i mean who knows they got 18th and strike the schedule so the schedule plays in their favor yeah you know
1: i mean again we will we'll see on chicago but like I said, somebody's gotta be losing these games, and I'm, you know, I'm gonna bet unders when it's seven and a half wins. You know, if you're going over seven and a half wins, you're in the playoff race till the bitter end more times than not. And we're talking about the 29th ranked team here, so I'm I'm gonna lead under on a lot of these
0: for at least the next couple and the past couple. Yeah, for sure. Out of any team that we've done, definitely, obviously, because they're the highest team out of all the teams we've done so far. But that's how it usually works. But feel best about this team. Alright, let's move on from the schedule and the over-unders and let's uh, wrap it up here, shall we? So, uh, The offensive rank for the Blitz Pod members uh, can, what would be together I was putting together the ranking. Yes, that is the word I was looking for. So, The consensus of rankings for the Chicago Bears this year among Blitz Pod members is 24th. Uh, so, not in the bottom necessarily but definitely towards the bottom for sure and can't say the same about the defense. They're ranked 30th in the league. They are literally two spots from the bottom Uh, but as far as their championship window goes, the most optimistic one we've seen so far not quite yet but it's two years away you know, so how would you, would you like to elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to like get, cause uh, I feel like the last three have been not in it yet two to three years away. Um, just because a lot of these teams that we've done so far, obviously Arizona has their questions with the quarterback. I think we actually might've uh, had them a little bit higher just because they have Kyler and they might have the top two picks in next year's draft. Um, but like the Rams, I think I wanted to do three to four away because, you know, you've got to start all over again pretty much with this team. The only thing is, as soon as they have a glimmer of hope, like let's say they draft somebody really good this year, Les Snead's going to throw all of his you know future draft picks in to make this team competitive again, and they're right back in it. Um, but yeah. Chicago, obviously, they had the uh, cap space this year. They use a good portion of it, but they've still got a good amount of it left over. You still have Justin Fields on a rookie contract, and there are pieces still on this roster, and you've also got to remember they've got Carolina's first-round pick next year. Um, So if they have, let's say, you know, if we're projecting Chicago being one of the worst teams in the league, Carolina is also going to be somewhere in that top 10, let's say, Um, two top 10 picks coming in. Maybe you deal one of those for another veteran established player. Um, And if Fields takes a jump, that's really all what this is going to depend on. If if Fields isn't the guy this year, you're extending this window out by probably another two or three years. And you're, because you've got to, restart the whole process again you got to be bad for another year and then you've got to draft the quarterback then you got to have the rookie bumps and then it's this whole thing again so that's why it's so important that justin fields hits um but if he does you know maybe we're expediting this process maybe they're in it next year so who knows uh as far as the offensive defensive ranks goes obviously again like we've said for really the entirety of the roster this all uh leans on justin fields if justin fields can take that step that we saw from Jalen Hurts, you know, maybe not even being a MVP like level player, but entering the top 12 to 14 quarterbacks in the NFL, adding some dynamism as a passer uh, to add to his running game. This is probably what was that? dynamism. That is a word. Sweet. Yeah. It's, it's a is word. It? I swear.
0: Holy shit. All
1: right. Yeah. I like that one. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Just adding some dynamism as a passer in addition to his running game. Um, that could push this towards being a top half unit, uh, especially with that offensive line and this group of weapons that, like we said, has a there. There's room for potential, or there is potential in this group. But the defense, again, the defensive line is just a very poor unit at this time, uh, and I just don't think that pair of linebackers that they added. While it's one of the four or five best linebacking duos in the NFL right now just doesn't move the needle enough to move them out of 30 for me.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think the window's just right for them. I mean, as you said, it all depends on Justin Fields because if Justin Fields doesn't pan out, then Eberflus doesn't pan out, then the entire coaching staff doesn't pan out, you probably get rid of pace, so then you're starting this whole operation over again. Uh, But Justin Fields definitely bought him some time, bought himself some time. And as well as the coaching staff sometime. Uh, last year with his performance. Yeah. So and even if he has a bad year this year, do you think that they move on from him?
1: The thing is, they're in that situation that they were in this year where it was like, okay, well, they've got the number one pick. Now we've got to make some choice. They got two again, potentially. We don't know what Carolina's going to be. We don't know what Chicago's going to be. But if Justin Fields isn't very good, you gotta imagine that this Chicago pick's gonna be in the top five. If not, top eight somewhere around there. And we're talking about a Caleb Williams class. We're talking about a Drake May class. This is, this is not, uh, two years ago with Kenny Pickett. God love him. But, um, this is one where you're like, all right, well, we, we need to find a way to get into the top three. And we talked about Arizona. They could potentially have two picks in the top three and could be willing to move out of one of those to a team that has maybe picks five and eight or, five and thirteen or something around there, um, that has anyway multiple first round picks, like Chicago does. So if Justin Fields isn't that guy, I think they might be quick to move on. Cause they obviously the contract is also coming up. He was a twenty twenty one draft pick. We're seeing guys from the twenty twenty class being talked about getting paid like Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence. I think if Fields is any level of competent, he's gonna want to expedite that contract process this year so he can get his money get the contract signed and then whatever happens from there on happens um but it's the chicago is probably the most interesting team we have yet and then just one more thing on the championship window like them saying they're two years away at 29th is actually a pretty good thing because you know i know we've got some teams coming up here that are obviously higher than chicago right now I'm looking at like three to four years away because they are further commanders. Commanders. I I mean, again, we're, I don't want to spoil anything, but there are some teams where they're like, this would be the year where you're like, all right, we got to start over this year after this year. So now you're this year. Plus you got to start all over again. Plus you're going to be some borderline competent this year before you blow it up. It's just, it's a long process to get all the way back around to being in a window. So two years away they're definitely on the right side of it now um right but it's just a matter of can fields to get them there
0: yeah for sure and we will watch very closely to see how that pans out this year uh but yeah that just about does it for the 29th ranked chicago bears uh so now we've got uh, three teams out we got four teams out One and that's,
1: uh Okay. Well, we got three plus know, Chicago. Simple Come on, mad. dude. 29, 30, 31, okay. 32.
0: I didn't carry the one. That was square. Off, yeah, that's why uh, yeah. I hate enough. to do that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, can't wait to dive into the rest of these uh, as we work through the summer. Uh, but it's been real doing the first four, and can't wait to dive into the rest. So we will catch you guys later. Peace.